Welcome to Date Night Podcast, a tabletop role-playing game podcast set in the homebrew world of Volunaya. Let's explore a whole new world together. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Date Night. This is the session zero for uh, Josh's character, Thoot. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah. yeah, cool. yeah. Thoot. Fantastic. He, I think, I think he, uh, that's what he calls himself. Cool. Very nice. Um, and Thute is a Goliath, great old one warlock. Yeah. Yeah, this is going to be fun. He doesn't know that, though. No, he doesn't. So, uh, like I was telling you before, we started recording. Um, the session zero is pretty much just going to be some exposition. Feel free to interject any thoughts, feelings, commentary as we go along. Okay. This is the part that you have to remember it's an audio. Right. Yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go okay, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, let's do it. All right, I, I planned that joke for an hour and a half on the back here. <laughs> I won't use it again. You've never had a problem sleeping. An adventurer like you has the perfect combination of physical activity and a clear conscience that always made falling asleep easy. But tonight, something is different. Sleep doesn't come easily for you. Something tugs at the end at the edge of your mind, but never fully materializes. And in the darkness, you hear a faint whisper. Interloper. You start looking around. Even though you don't hear any more whispers, you can feel some sort of presence just at the edge of the firelight. But eventually, exhaustion takes over, your eyes feel heavy, and they finally close. Mm. And you awaken to the next day. You've been wandering, um, going on on your adventure that you have been wanting to for a long time. And lately, you've been wandering through the nearby fields and roads near the city of Eichnir. It's a a human city in the northern region known as the 10,000 cities. The first thing you see are these massive stone walls, 40, 50 feet high, bigger even than you think you could scale. The farmers towards the outer edges seem nice enough. Some have even fed you. They thought it was really cool. They don't get to see someone like you very often. But uh, as you get closer and closer to the city, folks seem less friendly and more guarded. Friendly smiles of greeting are replaced by threats to keep walking or they'll call the guard. Eventually, you made it to the city gates and were approached by said guard. Some fat-ass fop of a captain got in your face and tried to make you feel unwelcome. He said, Eichner doesn't have room for someone like you. So, naturally, you picked him up and threw him outside the gate into the fields. Now there's room. You were arrested, of course, after they had to call in many more forces to subdue you. During the struggle, you did apparate your axe into your hand, and that's when things got serious. There was probably 10, maybe 15 guards that had to dogpile you before they got you under control. Your things were taken, you were processed, and sent deep into a mine that seemed to be plastered inside the city along a sheer cliff at the city's um, rear. And while in the mine... Of course, after all of the ordeal of that day, you fall asleep. You awaken in a dark void. You're cold. There is no sense of up or down. Nothing to grab onto or even anything to touch your feet. The darkness is oppressive, imprisoning. Flashes of light do appear sporadically, but at a a distance on the edge of your periphery. When they flash... You can sort of get glimpses of of movement, but nothing really concrete. It's too fast before you have a chance to look over. 
And then you start to hear something breathing, or at least you think it's breathing. It's slow, massive, like a a whale or an ultralisk that you've never had the chance to, uh, not ultralisk, what's the Trask? That's the one. That's the D&D version. Sorry. Um, It's a slow, steady, over and over again. Another flash of light. And all that you see is absolute horror. It's a wall of flesh, eyes, but the eyes are all closed. And as the light fades away, all you go back to the breathing, that slow, steady, horrifying rhythm. Another flash of light, this one much, much closer. They're starting to come faster and faster. You see the thing again, and all you can think of is asleep, just like you thought you were. The eyes flicker underneath their lids and you feel a soft buzzing in the back of your head. Looking, searching, something is seeking something else out, like a oyster trying to expel an irritant. Whispers, you can't make them out, just again at the edge of your consciousness. The light comes faster and faster. The eyes begin twitching underneath their lids faster and faster. And at the last moment, the eyes snap open. And so do yours. You're back in your, you're back awake. And it takes you a second still to realize that you're not in the dream anymore because all you see is dark and cold and you're still alone. But as your senses do finally come, you realize, oh, I'm on hard stone. There's ground underneath me up and down exists again. whispers come in the back of your head once more. You shrug off the dream to deal with the present reality. Townies, not sure they'll ever understand them. Mm -hmm. Like that fat-ass captain strutting around like he's better than you are. You showed him, though. Didn't think a roly-poly bastard like him would fly that far. And if that hole they threw you into hasn't been so awful, almost would have been worth it. Seriously, this cell is barely big enough for a standard-sized human, certainly not someone as large as yourself, as a Goliath. Cold stone floor, iron bars too thick, even for you, and no window. Other than some faint, faint torchlight, you haven't really been able to see anything for over a week now. Food sucks, but they do feed you regularly, and your toilet bucket is taken away just as regularly. It's been a few days since the, uh, the, the offense All you really want is fresh air again, sunlight, adventure, and maybe to pop that captain one more time. It's then you hear some shuffling of boots and a gate swing open. The guards go past just through your field of vision, and they come back a couple of them. This time they have a a human woman with them. She looks tired, ragged, cold, just like you. A few moments later, they come back again and come back again with a, a halfling man. He looks, he's older, looks like if he's he's in this place for too much longer, he's probably not going to survive. And finally, they come for you. This guard, Captain, is slight of build, with a kind face. His voice has the confidence of an experienced soldier, but a compassionate quality to it as well. He shrugs at you almost apologetically and produces a set of manacles, if you have a high enough perception, you'll notice it's got some runes inscribed on them. 
What is your passive perception? Nine. Nine? Okay. <laughs> they look like manacles, really. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> Will they fit me? Yeah. <laughs> Listen, big guy. You're being summoned to the Duke. He's got a job for you. This means freedom if you do a good job. Are you going to be good? Yeah. Yeah. You can see they brought a lot of guards with them this time. They remember the, the scuffle from at, at the city gate. It's also, you see a young woman, maybe 15, 16 years old. She's in white robes, flanked by two older elven men, also in white robes. In the dim torchlight, she almost looks like a wraith because her hair is so blonde, it's almost white, and her eyes are these sort of pale blue, almost steel color. She has a very cold look about her. She doesn't look like she's a very emotional person. She looks right at you, starts to wave her hands through the air and say a bunch of gibberish. It sounds vaguely arcane. And it's at that moment you feel less. Not weak, not tired, just less. He's neutralized. The guard captain looks at you again. A Goliath who can summon weapons is not something we want his grace to be around. But he did ask for you specifically. So we're going to put these on. And you're going to come with me. And we're going to go up to his chambers. So you're not going to try anything, right? No. Okay. We'll go ahead and have you put your arms through the, the, the little port here. And he clamps the manacles on you. And you see the runes kind of flare with a bright blue light. And then it dies down. He goes, don't worry. Everything's fine. It's just going to keep you a little more uh, able to be in front of his grace's presence. Okay? Yeah, it's like, uh, well, I guess it's like home. Okay. So the girl, you look back over her, and she's already, even just it's been a few moments, she's got some beads of sweat forming on her forehead. Looks like the strain of nullifying you has been a little much for her, even with the, uh, the other two elven guys helping her out. So they have you back up. They open the door and slowly lead you out. And that's the end of your session zero. I told you it was mostly just exposition. Sure. At the very end there, can I try to communicate with that woman? Sure. And, and, and basically this is, this is me trying to figure out how, how neutralized I am. Mm-hmm. Um, because one of the things, I'm trying to see if it basically got rid of the invocations and stuff like that. Um, because I can talk to somebody... So, because of the awakened mind feature of an otherworldly patron. If I know these microphones well enough, you're going to want to talk right into it. I didn't know if that should be a Because of the uh, otherworldly patron uh, feature, it's an awakened mind. You can communicate telepathically with any creature you can see within 30 feet. You don't need to share a language with the creature for it to understand your telepathic um, utterances. But uh, it must be able to understand at least one language. So, I would try, I would think, to reach out to her telepathically. And I'm, see if there's any f- response back, and just trying to say, almost like tr- try to say, and whether or not she res- is up to you, obviously, but I would try to communicate of like, what have you done to me? Mm. And if that's neutralized, then or she's she quiet. She kind of she kind of pauses for a second as she's walking away, but then she just keeps walking. You definitely get the sense that your telepathy is a magical property. Sure. But it's a different kind of magic than what this would necessarily 
completely block. It, probably, it might it might dampen it heavily, but that's about fair enough. What I could say. Cool. All right, Good. let's go get the others. Welcome to date night. Tonight's episode is going to be a special one shot, uh, DM'd by me. I'm Mike. I normally play Dern. Today I play God. We also have with us uh, Will Mayer, our normal GM, Game Mom, Master of the Table, whatever he, his title wants to be. Game Mom? <laughs> master game of the mom. House, Keeper of the Court. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah, playing uh, like Robbie, our knowledge cleric for this evening. Mm-hmm. And when Mike says one shot, he means our new campaign, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I will give you mini art at best. <laughs> We also have uh, Amy. He's playing uh, Marina Zemferscu. I am never going to pronounce that correctly. That's okay. Neither am I. Our human blood hunter. Blood huntress, sorry. And we also have our special guest, Josh Gilliland, who's playing Thoot, the great old one Goliath Barbarian. Feel free to say words. Uh, Goliath Warlock. Not Goliath Barbarian. I didn't do that. And I didn't do the Edgelord Warlock. Also, the the, specialization. His name is Bolthut Far-Touched Ogolakananu. Something like that. (laughs) Okay, Marina's not going to be able to say that. Ogolakanu. Ogolakanu is his last name. Uh, But he goes by... Michael Ogolakande. Got it. <laughs> yeah, T H U with the U T. She has an issue with T H's. Oh, perfect. And we're off to a good start tonight. Good luck. St. Patrick's Day weekend. Slancha, Slancha, yeah. Soon across the sea on the Isle of Lamoche, a great plague will rise. This will inspire great heroes to also rise and defend the land from the blight. But this is not that time. And you are not heroes. This is 15 years before the events of the Blight takes place. The failed campaign of Akagi the Destroyer is almost over, but Lamosh is still a war zone. But we are not on Lamosh. We are on the main continent of Valbara, within the wild area known as the 10,000 Cities. And here on the fringe, in the city of Eichnir, life is even relatively civilized compared to the rest of the region. Sure, pirates roam the seas to the east and the north, Bandits wander the roads, the roads, and orcish war po- parties still pillage the coastal cities, such as Gast as well as Harberton. But behind Eichnir's massive walls, known as the Grey Shield, life is relatively safe and prosperous. No, here there is no great blight, just the common blight of suffering that all civilized people inflict upon each other. There is hunger in the eyes of children not born into privilege. The rich prey upon the poor, and the poor prey upon each other. And you are not great heroes. You are common folk who have been thrown into each other's lives for reasons none of you can control or understand. You are not heroes. You are just desperate people trying to survive a city and a region that already seems to be tearing itself apart while insisting it's perfectly fine. Welcome to Eichnir. So the three of you have already had your own experiences in the city and your cells. A few minutes go by, and the guards come and collect all of you, and they send a few more guards for you, Thoot, but you are all led through the darkness, barely lit by torchlight through tunnels, up several flights of stairs, down back corridors, and finally up to what can only be described as an austere mead hall. The walls are dark hardwoods with tapestries of silver and forest green. The ceiling is open in the middle to let in the daylight, 
And there's a large fire pit in the middle of the room that you sense is probably used on rainy days and nights and stuff like that. The feel of the place is best described as that of Spartan elegance. Nothing overly fanciful, but everything is finely crafted and clearly of the best quality. As you are presented in the Great Hall, you look around and notice there are guards everywhere. And even in a small balcony behind you, there are more guards with heavy crossbows already trained on you. My reputation precedes me. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't me. Your eyes follow the line of guards along the walls to the other side of the hall where there is a human man standing in front of a wooden throne-like chair with a large two-handed hammer resting against the side. He's dressed in very fine clothes, although upon closer inspection they hold more of a high military rank to them than that of garments of royalty. His hair, salt and pepper, with a little more salt at this point in time, is close shaven on the sides and a receding hairline on top. That same salt and pepper hair can be found in a thick, bristly, kind of broom-handle mustache that covers most of his upper lip. His eyes are cold and gray, and when he speaks, his voice booms to fill the hall. I trust you all know who I am, but in case you do not, I am Duke Jurgen Viserys Greycastle, and you are all criminals, sentenced to wither away in the mine. Normally, I wouldn't waste my time in such company, but I find myself in a situation where I am in need of people of your persuasion. The Duke turns and slowly paces in front of his throne. The guards are very wary and readied with all of their weapons prepared. My youngest son, Malachus Idlehide Greycastle, has been kidnapped by orcish raiders operating out of the pirate city of Drost. They left a ransom note declaring that he was now the hostage of the Great Destroyer and would only be returned if a large sum of coin and material supplies is given to them. I have no such intention of paying such a ridiculous demand. Now I myself have ships, but we are a landlocked city and my ships are for trading. Also, Drost is a cove designed specifically to thwart military interdictions. I also cannot perform a ground assault because it is backed by sheer cliffs, making such an effort impossible. And all of my usual mercenaries are known in the region and would be discovered quickly. So I am left with you. A conman burglar, a serving wench who likes to set fires and a Goliath, who needs many lessons in civilized life. What about me? He continues. (laughs) But if I were a man who complained every time I faced a challenge, I would not be the man that I am today. This is my deal. You will be given back your belongings, provided transport to a small town a day's march south of Drost, and left to your task. Your mission has two stipulations. Retrieve my son, and do so without disclosing who you work for, or what your mission is to the public at large. I cannot have my people knowing that my own son was taken from this very manner. To help aid you, I have made a deal with one of my contacts in the region. After you have landed, head north through the jungle, and you will be met by a Captain Parici. He has been well compensated to provide you with intelligence on the kidnappers, where they are holding my son, and any other aid he can muster. 
Failure to complete either of these tasks and your freedom will be forfeit. If you run, I will use my other cadre of mercenaries, including Captain Parigi, to hunt you to the ends of this world and into the next. If you succeed, I will allow you a full pardon and 500 gold apiece. See to it, the beasts are put down and Malachus is returned to me. These are my terms. What do you say? Freedom is assured. Upon completion. I'll do it. Um, I might be a little bit less interested. He said he was little. In the... <laughs> in the gold. <laughs> and maybe more interested in just earning your favour, Duke Greycastle, sir. Yes, quite. I understand maybe such favour would come with the benefit of returning one. See to it, my son is returned, and we can talk about further compensation. Or perhaps further work. Um, do I know the name of the contact from our introduction? What do you mean by the, the contact he's just talking about? Here? No, the contact that turned me into the city guard. No. I don't know his name. No. I mean, oh, 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 wait. No, that was your guy. Yeah. Yeah, he was your um, mob boss. Uh, it's, it's in my notes. I'll give it to you in a little bit. Um, Gav, Gav, Gas, not Gaston. That's, that's, Gaston. that's feeding the beast. <laughs> Hang on, two seconds. <laughs> Grestus? Grestus. Be our Grestus, be um, our Grest. Okay. <laughs> um, Hashtag not sponsored. Duke uh, Greycastle. You understand um, my uh, nature, I suppose. If you're asking me along on here, it's not because I'm a burglar, right? You have to understand I care very little about your nature. I merely picked you because my guard said that you would be useful. Right. To that point of being useful, I'm super useful if I'm really focused. You understand? But if I'm not, and if there's any sort of gray cloud in the back of my mind, I'm not as useful as I would like to be. And right now, there's something in this city that makes that gray cloud heavy on me head. And I want to do me best for you, Duke Greycastle. I sir. trust we are coming to a point sometime in the next few moments. Yes, I should have noticed. Man of action. Um, there is a fellow. His name's certainly not Gaston. <laughs> Gestus. Grestus. Grestus. He's a fellow who liked a small fellow like me to feel really low. You know, folk who are into that sort of thing. It's probably an insecurity on his part. Anyway, getting to the point. All I want in exchange for the gold is that a man of your stature maybe makes a man like that feel a little bit lower than he made me feel. And that maybe he'd only eat for a few weeks in the process. One moment. The Duke turns to his uh, guard captain. Does anybody read lips? No? Nope. Okay. They whisper back and forth for a few seconds, and the guard captain kind of nods. Complete your task, and Grestus will not eat for as long as you deem necessary. That's music to me, ears, Lord Duke, sir. Thank you. And you. What do you say to this deal? These work strong. Are you big? 
I big have strong not, looks. Have not seen them personally. Children. Yes, I'm they in. are certainly strong enough to take children. I'm in. <laughs> Very well. How many heads you want back? You may keep the heads. All I need is. I'll bring them to you. Uh, see which one if you like them. Very well. Anything <laughs> else? Okay. We got to go after your guy too. Hey, when they pick on the little ones. How old is your son? Malicus would be seven years old. His size, then? Perhaps. Right. Um, yeah, sure, if you want to. Pound him. That would suit me fine. <laughs> I think, though, like I said, for, for him, real focused, right, on one, one thing at, at a time. And, you know, I don't want to go back. I don't know where you were, but where I was, I don't want to go back. Get the kid. Do your thing. Sure. Bring back, bring back some skulls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be good. The Duke claps. Very well. It is decided. You will leave at once. Time is of the essence. So, you're escorted uh, to... They said we were getting our gear back, yes, right? Okay. you are getting your gear back. Not yet, however. Okay. You are taken to a covered cart led out of the city and to the closest port in a relatively secure part of Harberton. Once on the ship, your bindings are removed, your things are given back, while you travel north to another small village, also named Harberton. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this is a different Harberton. You get the sense that navigation can be difficult in this part of the region just because most col- coastal towns choose to call themselves Harberton and insist that theirs is the true Harberton. Once your ship docks, you are escorted off the boat and left to your devices. This Harberton looks to be not much more than a fishing village. What would you like to do? You know, I have to say, um, I was actually kind of just taking your lead there. Um, you seem like probably a smart one, and the other guy didn't seem strong or smart, so I uh, t- tried to act confident like you. So thank you. Right, yeah, I'm very smart. See, um, you've got... You're obviously not strong, so you have to be something. Right, and that's what I've learned around here. You've got to play to your strengths, and yours, I assume, is strengths. I can also uh, kill. Yes. And maim, and um, weirdly, but goodly. Right. Uh Um, I'm, I'm, I'm the only Goliath wizard. Really? Yeah. A, a wizard? Magics. You you probably don't understand. I, I wouldn't have. You know, you know looking at you, I, I think I, I would have guessed it. Wizard, yeah. First, probably <laughs> first inkling was, here's our wizard. <laughs> you talk a lot. I do. Listen, while we're here, I should say, in Arbiton, we've got a um, kind of... Let people know what we're looking for. But the trick is, if we're going to say anything more specific than Arbiton, there can be disputes in this particular area about what this area is called or that area is called. So it can be helpful to speak in the past tense. You you with me? Words about things that happened before. Right? Old people words. Oh. No. (laughs) But if you, if you talk about the area in the past tense and you say, I'm looking for someone he used to be in this place, right? And you say the name of the town, say, 
uh, praline, right, just off the top of my head. <laughs> sure. Right. And they say, oh, that's not the name of the place, ain't Praline. And they get all offended. Like you say, no, no, he used to be in a place that was once called Praline. And now it's obviously not, right? Because then you know what that folk calls that particular place. And you don't get involved in the dispute. So we leave the talking to you? No, I think we let her do it. People seem to naturally know what I mean and what I want. I don't tend to even have to talk to them. They kind of just point me in the right direction. Right, that could come in handy. <laughs> By the way, if we're going to be working with each other, I guess maybe we should know what we should call each other before we, you know, meet anybody else. You who? Thoot. Well, what am I looking at here? Toot. What, you have pencil marks Thoot. around. Thoot. 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 Okay. Close Thoot. enough. Thoot. All right, and. I'm um, uh, Welby, good fortune. Marina. Nice to meet Marina. All of you. Were you now uh, that we're, are we still like, do we have guards around us still or did they just drop they're, they're, they're back on the ship. Welby, good fortune. You call yourself that? Yes. <laughs> I don't usually talk to me, but yes. Um... So there's, there's no. You just spend too much. No. The, okay. the guards basically pulled into port, kicked you guys off with your stuff, and then headed back out to sea. Sure. Okay. I'm good at uh, markers and making signs. I could say looking for small child. Right. Or small child wanted. Ah, past tense. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> so, um,. You talk so much, I'm not going to be able to hold my accent at all. I'm just trying to start the conversation a little bit. Start the conversation. Mm -hmm. You've never stopped it. (laughs) You would also remember the Duke did tell you guys when you land to head north. North. Parici in the town about a day north of here. All right. Um, Well, should we uh, look for any supplies before we head north uh, looking for this fella. Should also point out, none of you have any money. They gave us our stuff back. Yes, minus the money. Yeah, I know. What? Legal fees. I didn't have any money. Legal fees. Because I lost it before I went to jail. All right. I can shake down some people. Right, maybe. Um, so I could uh, perform magic for tips. Why don't we just do that instead? Like, we'll start. <laughs> Mike would like it, I think, if we started our own magic show. Yeah. <laughs> I hike up my pack and I... <clears throat> <sighs> Damn it, Michael Kane over there. Michael Kane. That's who he based his voice off. Can, can you say Ma- Michael Kane in that voice? Michael Kane. Michael Kane. Michael Kane. <laughs> Michael Kane. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the joke. I think we should follow her. It looks like she knows which way is you she know, starts heading north the right direction mm. while they consider continue babbling. We follow her, okay. I don't know. do you? okay. audio podcast, Josh. Oh, that's right. It's an audio <laughs> format. <laughs> There's yeah. no cameras. In here. see we YouTube, so yeah, yeah that's why I'm we we are uh, audio YouTube. <laughs> it has a okay. static picture. static picture. I'm with you, yeah. 
All right. Yeah, we're just following her towards the yes. north. Suit okay. does not seem at all surprised by the strong female type, you know. So that's what Having that's left what the village, <laughs> you begin marching re- relentlessly through the jungle. I do, as I leave, start something on fire, however, just to show that I can. Okay. <laughs> the poor fishing villagers immediately form a bucket line <laughs> to and from the sea. Yeah, see there. Now they know. <laughs> they look at you with a mixture of fear and hatred. I think we've replaced Sam efficiently. <laughs> I'm Will Mayer, and you're listening to the Date Night Podcast. If you're interested in the homebrew items, class and race options, and other unique things about the show, you can get more information about a lot of them from my Dungeon Masters Guild titles. Some of them are offered for free or pay what you want, and others are just a few dollars that are used to help support the show. You can find all the titles by heading over to our website, datenightpodcast.com, and clicking on the store tab, or by searching for my name, Will Mayer, on dmsguild.com. There are titles like The Path of Fury for the Barbarian, Blood, Sweat, and Tears, Rules for Building Your Own Homunculus, Bloodlines, A Guide to New Playable Races, Backgrounds, and Feats, and Prinkle Fire Touches Guides to the Homebrew Magic Items Made for the Campaign. Let's get back to that campaign and hear what's in store next for our characters. Having left the village, <laughs> you begin marching. Always leave a place better. <laughs> and you found it. <laughs> and more interesting is always better. <laughs> you begin marching relentlessly through the jungle. It's hot, unbearably so. Flies harass any exposed skin and clothing sticks to whatever isn't. Um, everybody roll a perception check, please. 13. 20. Not good. Uh, 10. Okay. Welby. I'm sorry. 22. Even better. You see a shift of clothing moving through the trees. And because of that, they do not get a surprise round. Everybody roll initiative, please. Okay. There's somebody. Worse. <laughs> Ooh. Why do we use to plus initiative? Dex. 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 Thank you. <clears throat> I never wrote it down. I have two. <laughs> That's nice. I have, well, I don't know. Are you ready for them? Or? Eleven. Uh, I should probably roll for them. Oh, man. Okay. I should use these dice more often. What's that? Fourteen. Okay. Marina. Eleven. Eleven. Welby. Seven. And Thoot. Two. Two. <laughs> Toot. Yeah, Thoot got two. Uh, he can't even reach the two. It's, know, two, it's, 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 it's hard to reach over the screen to get down that <laughs> Okay, so. The bandits are going first. I think no that's the first time in D&D history. <laughs> no surprise <laughs> round, but they still go first. Yeah. No surprise <laughs> round, but they still go first, yes. And they are going to go after Thoot. They see you first, being the, the largest one. target, of course. <laughs> oh. yeah. It's like I am weak. I definitely, in that moment that I saw them, even though I haven't acted yet, tried to make sure Thoot was on the other side, you know, between Hide. me and them. <laughs> uh, that's a... 22. Just. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, it's plenty. You take seven damage. Ouch. Are they fae, fiend, undead, or I think that's it. <laughs> or dragons. They look like people. Okay. Okay. All right. Second one's going to go after Welby. Okay. That's going to be a 14. That will not hit. All right. Scimitar just kind of skinks off your shoulder there. Okay. Last one's going after Marina. That's going to be like a five. No. Okay. <laughs> now it is, I should have written on both sides of these. Who is this? Marina. Me. Marina, you're up. <laughs> would you like to write Marina on I the would. other side? I'll do that while you roll. What are you rolling for? A hit. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm assuming I it's, thing. <laughs> I'm assuming it's an attack of some sort. <laughs> uh, next, we're all in melee, correct? Yes, they <laughs> we don't have they an attack. With yeah, what are they hitting Audio. with? Audio. Scimitar. No, oh, scimitar. Oh. So yes, they're, 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 they oh, are all in melee. <laughs> with my rapier, with my right die. So that would be 17. 17 does hit. Six plus five. 11. 11 damage. Uh, stay on the table. Three. How much is that total, please? 11 plus 3 is 14. 14, okay. Die! Next up, we have Welby. All right, so uh, we're all in like a big bunch or what? You guys were walking through the forest. I'm presuming Thug is in front. Okay. So I guess it depends on where the bandits came from. <laughs> Around you. They were, they were circling um, to do an ambush. Uh, this is my first combat encounter, okay. I will... <laughs> On the guy who tried to hit me, I will cast Blindness. Okay. So he's going to need to make a constitution saving throw. All right. What's the DC? It is 16. That's pretty good. That is a fail. He rolled a 10. Okay. He is, uh, let's see, blinded for the duration. At the end of each of its turns, it can make a constitution save, ending the effect on a success. Okay. And it lasts for a minute otherwise. Is it concentration or no? No. On the end of his turn, you said? Yeah. Okay. And um, I guess I'm just going to hang out where I am, try to... Uh, well, actually, I'm going to use that opportunity after blinding him to try to back up as, uh, out of the way and maybe hide behind a tree if I can find one. Okay. He's going to get an opportunity attack. Yep. Roll the disadvantage. Good, because that first one was a nat 20. Second one was a nat 1. I'll take the see nat 1. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. I'll try to see if I could hide behind a tree. Okay, make a stealth check. I can't technically hide. with. I don't have a bonus action to do it. I'm just oh, okay. trying to take some cover. Okay. So, okay. That's it. I was honest. Okay. We'll say you've got three quarters. Okay. All right. Thoot. Coming in at number two. Oh, yeah. So uh, one ran up and, and sliced me with a scimitar, is Correct. what you're saying. Okay, yeah. So um, I'm bigger than him, By I far. would presume. Great. Is there a bigger one than him that I can actively see? Because I'm not, I'm not. No, you say he's probably the, the biggest one. It looks oh. like they probably. Like, you know, like intentionally sent, sent Jack in. Yeah, like, like take the big Jack, one. No, you, you take the, the big, big one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. Um, Oh, man, there's so many things that I can do. So I'm going to start with... Um, <laughs> I 
surprisingly, I hope to everyone as a as a wizard, obviously, not lying. Um, <laughs> I cast a level three cloud of daggers directly on his spot, um, okay. which is pretty fun. So level three is four d fours, and then a plus another two d fours. He takes it's so a sixty four dex check, right? Deck saving throw? No, no I think that's he just does it. it. Just does it. Yeah, okay, so it's yeah. going to be six d four, and if he enters or starts his turn there, if he if he, if he, if it starts his turn there, I do an, I do it again. Okay. So it's six d four now, and then it's six d four at the start of his next turn. Okay. So here's uh, that. That's eight for the first two. Um, so you're up to twelve. So I'm up to twelve, and then so that's eighteen, 18. Mm-hmm. for that one. Okay. And then I'll roll it again. The start of. Jack the Lumberjack's turn. Okay. Um, so after this first round, one's been stabbed, one's been daggered, and one is just, I can't say anything. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And then um, I'm going to get on the other side of him. I'm going to try to overrun. Um, so to kind of shove him aside, and I want to kind of go towards where I'm closer to more of them, okay. however that would work out. All right. So it's my strength versus his, basically. I hope I do well with a 19. Yes, he rolled a 16. You win. Great. Oh, actually, and it is athletics, so it's actually bigger than that. Well, you still win. You Great. just win by more. <laughs> <laughs> it's even more impressive when you push him out of the way. Yeah. Okay. Right, yeah, strength is strength. Good. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently, like, daggers. <laughs> All right, back to the top of the round. Wait, when you when you when you push him, do you push him out of the space that he was currently occupying? Oh no. no. It's it's basically it's basically in order for me to get on the other side of him. Okay. That doesn't knock him front or anything like that. No, I don't I don't I didn't choose to do that. Okay. Ten four. All right, back to the top. Oh, okay. He is going to slash again at you as you're but you move past him. No, he's still completely in. He's just trying to move to the other side. Yeah, I'm on the other side. I moved closer to where I can get, be, be in maybe closer to more of them okay. was my plan. I got you. Like, so maybe there's a, something I want to do Did that you move way. out of his melee range? No, not at all. No. But this is the start of his turn? This is the start so of his turn. So I'm going to roll these again to see yep. if he dies. Go for it. Hopefully he dies. <laughs> Five. Uh, Twelve. Not as good. Well, twelve is it. Seventeen. So he's, he's dead. <laughs> he gets uh, blended. Yeah, and that's just going to stay there. So remember that there's a swirling cyclone of, of, of right daggers behind right behind me. <laughs> As, <laughs> yeah. Good deal. <laughs> he reaches up to Scimitar. <laughs> so enemy one. <laughs> gets Sharknadoed. <laughs> yeah, Sharknadoed. All right, enemy number two is um, going the one going up against Marina. So he's going to try to attack her again. Missed last time. This time he rolls a seven plus, what, yeah, eight. Still a miss, I'm, I'm guessing. Yes. Yeah. I didn't think your armor would be that low. He sucks. <laughs> Third one. Tim. Going back against Welby. He's going to roll at disadvantage again because he's still, no, that's right. I forgot to roll at the end of his last turn. He didn't is, have a turn. He didn't have so a turn, yet. Have a turn yet. Okay. So does he have a ranged thing? Because I ran, like, right. after I blinded him. That's right. Try and get away. You can't see him. me. He's not going to do much of anything except for sit there and kind of like, ah! He swing, swings wildly, hits absolutely moving. nothing. He kind of, you know, makes the path a little bit wider because he's, like, macheting the, the leaves. Right. Okay. okay. Good. And Marina. Stab the other guy again. Okay. Maybe not. That's a nine. Nine misses. He dod- dodges out of the way. 
Okay. Weldy? Uh, good. Um, I'm going to... Uh, I think I'm going to throw a sacred flame at the guy who's blind. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Maybe he'll see the light. That is a, that is a, that is a deck save, right? It yeah. is. Which I don't know if there's any disadvantage on deck saves when somebody's blind. Uh, only those that are required for that sight is required. And he didn't um, he didn't save at the end of his last previous turn. Yeah, he would get a shot. What's your DC? Sixteen. He Constitution. He fails. He's still blind. Okay. So he's going to take full damage because he failed his deck save. Good. Uh, that is what two D eight. It's twelve radiant damage. Okay, and um, yeah, I'm probably just gonna stick with that. I'll, I'll keep hiding out behind the tree and say, uh, "Push the blind one into the blender." <laughs> See, he's smart. That's what I'm gonna do. That's exactly, that's exactly what I was gonna do. <laughs> I figured. All right. Your turn. turn it is. I'd like to throw the guy into the blender. Okay. <laughs> uh, contest of strength. Ooh, do well, <laughs> me. Yeah. Uh, so is this a strength check or is it athletics? We'll say athletics. Yeah, give it better. 19. Yep. He rolled an eight. Oh, I, I hope I throw him. So <laughs> he is now entering. If, if I don't, if I don't, if I'm not, if we're not going to go full flavor and like just toss him like uh, Princess Bride style, I will just grapple him with that and then just push him into it. Okay. You rolled so high, you can pick whichever one you want to do. We're gonna we're gonna Princess Bride toss him. We're okay. gonna what's the the thing that the Hulk and or Colossus and Wolverine do? Is it a fastball special? Oh, yeah, where, yeah. Where, they, where he throws Wolverine at the Sentinels. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah anyway, I do that to him, okay. but like not as an ally. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. So he's he's entering the space. He's going to take the, the... Well, yeah, I got to roll the die. 66 yeah. or 64. So let's say that's six. Oh, not so good. Uh, that's only eight. And then, man, only 12. 12. Okay. Hopefully oh, that and the Sacred Flame. Yeah, might be enough. We're getting there. I'm pretty sure it will be. Okay. No, he's will be. That's all right. <laughs> Coming back up to the top of the round. He didn't do it. He's still there. Yeah, Damn. he's still up. And uh, it is the one against Marina's turn. So he is going to try to attack you once again with the scimitar. He's 0 for 2. Nat 20. Just hits. Yeah, just, just, just barely. Just <laughs> barely hits. All right. So with his scimitar, he's going to do... Seven damage on a nat 20. <laughs> that almost feels sacrilegious right there. Well, okay. it's, a, it's our warm-up. Yeah. Okay. And <laughs> the poor bastard in the, in the blenders. Yeah, so let me get a little bit of his damage. <laughs> yeah. right. Six. He's dead. Uh, six, six 12. Now we get the full, though. Yeah. <laughs> Fifteen additional. A second pile of meat <laughs> falls to the bottom <laughs> of the cloud of daggers. <laughs> You people are going to feed the jungle well and horribly. But that's a spell slot for me. That's important. <laughs> that you get back after a short rest. Correct. It's really not that big of a deal. <laughs> Correct. All right. Uh, Marina. I'm going to stab him. Okay. With your steely knives. With a 22. That definitely Ooh. hits. Did you say two? 22. And that will be... Damn it, Welby. <laughs> <laughs> Seven plus five fire damage. It's 12. 12. Is he in flames yet? 
Yes. Good. He is. Is it 12 fire damage? Like that guy's on fire. (laughs) He is now on fire and screaming. (laughs) They are definitely rethinking their life choices. Now he's just angry and on fire. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Well, B. How about a little more fire? Sacred fire. I'll just throw a sacred flame at him. He rolled a two. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Ooh, that's four (laughs) damage. And that's exactly how many hit points he had left. Oh, okay. So this poor bastard dies in a fire next to his companions who died in a blender. Hey, I could put it out, and I throw him in the blender. (laughs) (laughs) Flaming bits of of horror go flying everywhere. I do with my turn. Congratulations, you have <laughs> defeated the pandas. <laughs> um, well, I hesitate to say, do you think they had anything interesting? <laughs> I'm going to look for money. <laughs> if they did. <laughs> Where, so you touch it? I'm looking around first. <laughs> I won't get near the, the I rolled a 19. Do the they have a money pouch? <laughs> <laughs> you find. I'll drop it. You find a small pouch, or or I should say tattered pieces of what used to be a pouch. <laughs> mm-hmm. There is nothing in it. They had nothing. Nothing. Well, I mean, they were in the jungle, so I'm not really interested in, in things, but I don't really have much food in my pack, and I'm not sure how long we're moving. Does anybody have any, or should we try to look through? I'm, I'm concerned that we won't be able to distinguish... Do not turn into the Grease Wizard! That we won't no. be able to distinguish the bits, and I don't really want to... No. You know, if no. we don't have to. No, don't. No, no. I provide the small one with hard tack. Okay. Don't be the Grease Wizard, Goody. please. <laughs> my favorite. Thank you. Yeah, I have lots. Okay. Don't ask where I keep it. <laughs> We weren't going to. Sometimes being a knowledge cleric is not helpful. <laughs> <laughs> on to Parici. Afterwards, you continue on. The uh, the fight in the, this oppressive heat really did kind of take a toll on you, so I want everybody to roll for exhaustion. Ooh, that's not my Constitution bad. saving throw. 13. 17. Oh. Uh, 17. Okay, none of you take a point of exhaustion. Continuing the slog, you work your way out of the jungle, or at least the thick part of the jungle, and you find a small path winding along some cliffs. On your left, just between you and the cliffs, is still some trees, but on your right is a sheer drop for 50 or so meters to a rocky shoreline continuously buffeted by harsh waves. Still, the sea breeze does bring relief from the oppressive heat, and you breathe a little bit more easily. In a couple hours you begin to hear some music. Ahead, through the trees, you can see a small campfire and a rather motley assortment dancing around it. A man in his 40s with many scars and sunburned plays a flute while a tiefling woman with purple skin dances around the fire, twirling swords artistically. Another woman, human, seems to do some sort of ritualized martial arts choreography. Behind them, an azer with brass skin and flaming beard tries to clap along, but it's clearly got no rhythm and its metal hands are just discordant against the fairly good flute playing. And then next to the Azer, the last one you see is a large Mosin, covered from head to toe in several varieties of fungus. He just sits there smiling and smoking a long pipe with purple smoke coming out of it. Out of curiosity, is his name Umu? His name is Umu. Yes! Sorry. As they see you approach, the music stops 
and the older man stands to his feet. His smile is broad and genuine, and he flourishes with his arms and almost <laughs> knocks over a lamp. A lamp in the campsite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. Hello, my friends. We are so privileged that you have finally arrived. Welcome to the glorious camp of the legendary Saul Salador Reontero Llanos Parici, and glory to you for finally becoming a part of his tale. Well, we found the parrot cheese. <laughs> yeah. It's expecting a bird. Now that's a welcome, right? Yeah, uh, food then. <laughs> well, yes, of course, come around the campfire. I will feed you. I like him. All sincerest apologies. You need not stop <clears throat> the revelry on our part at all. Yes, of course. Ah, uh, we shall continue. And he starts playing a flute again. The Mosin does bring over a, a tray of several different kinds of mushrooms. Um, they've all been prepared and, and cooked and seasoned. It, I'm assuming everybody's okay with mushrooms. Anybody have any dietary restrictions? It's not kosher. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all right. All right. That's... Very good food. Right, nothing against the odd tack or nothing. I'll save that for later. It keeps. <laughs> yeah. Well, of course, my friends. I suspect you are the Duke's men. Am I correct? Right, the Duke's chosen men, for sure. She's not a man. Well, in the... In I belong the to no one. Gender, maybe not. I belong to no one. This is fascinating. Okay. <laughs> Well, I don't think. I think tonight you will stay with us, and then later in the morning we shall continue on to Drust. Is this agreeable to everyone? You seem nicer than I uh, was led to believe. Of course, who has been slandering the great name of Saroparici? The dumb one in the court. You're going to have to be more specific. I find many city-dwelling folk... The to broom be... on his face. Ah, the Duke himself. <laughs> 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 yes, the Duke can be a bit... Uh, single-minded of a person. I mean, he pretty much said that you could, you know, hunt me. You know, beat me. I'm not sure. But I'm glad to be on this journey with you. You seem nice. Of course, my friend. I would never attempt such a... I bet you could sell, like, deodorant really well. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to inquire later what this deodorant is. But for now, what are my manners? I will introduce you to the crew. You can use the mushrooms. (laughs) Well, be not paying Mask great attention to the introduction to the crew. He's just chowing down after it's having been in the hole. Saul for is completely three weeks. okay with this. Yeah. He, in fact, seems to enjoy the fact that and you're enjoying yourself. If there's any music still going on, he's very happy. Well, Saul was playing the flute, but he's okay. talking now. So, okay. Uh, he points to the Azer. This is my cannoneer and carpenter, Brazin Aruzers. The Azer kind of bows. Brazin. Brazin Aruzers. <laughs> the Azer bows somewhat ceremonially. Pleasure. <laughs> and this, of course, is my first mate, uh, Talia Ventrov. It's the, the tiefling woman with the purple skin. She twirls and puts her two twin scimitars away, and she just smiles and flourishes as well. I'm definitely watching the tiefling as I'm eating, even if I don't know who anybody is particularly. Okay. He gestures to the other woman, and but before he can say her name, she pipes up. Hello there, loves. I'm Tracy. <laughs> nice to meet you. Mike Tracy. Tracy, I might be offended at that. That's not even close to the same accent, love. It's kind of close. Well, I mean, geographically. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, he, he motions over to the, the large Mosin. And I'm Umu. A pleasure. 
to make all of your acquaintances. I hope you're liking the mushrooms. Ease our choice. He mate. picks another one off his shoulder and just puts it straight <laughs> into his mouth. <laughs> and I take a second with all the mushrooms in my mouth and shrug and keep eating them. Huh. Now, huh. of course, everyone, but please eat. Eat up. I put my mushroom down. We can talk more about strategy once we have finished eating. All right, uh, anybody want me to uh, cook anything up while we're at it? I mean, the mushrooms are grand, but uh, you've got anything else you'd like to you throw cook in? cook too? Yeah, I'll, oh, I'll love it. <gasps> um, I'm, I'm real uh, Andy in a kitchen or a campsite. Let me show you my spices. Please. Okay. And he leads you <laughs> okay. over to his tent, which has got a, a pretty well-stocked... Uh, like one of those little wooden kits that, you know, he pops open and it's got all the different things in it. Okay. I I pull out my cook's kit now that I got my gear back and I'm definitely comparing notes and seeing if we might trade for some spices I don't have and give him some. His is, is much more rustic compared yeah. to probably what you're used to cooking in a city. Um, That's good, good spices, very fresh, probably grown not that long ago. All right. Um, through Druid Craft or whatnot. Uh, yeah, would you like to, to trade any of these? I'm always looking for more variety. He has absolutely no metal cookware. Um, it's all wood or fungus. Or stone. Okay. These are real uh, interesting kit you got here, right? Here's, uh, my kit's just kind of run-of-the-mill. Um, do you want to uh, cook up anything together? I could get an idea of how your kit works. Well, um... That sounds like a great opportunity. He starts picking all me all kinds of mushrooms. Right, right, right. Uh, yes, the mushrooms good start. Do we have any anything else we can add to the to the mix? What do you mean, uh, meat? Oh, I don't eat meat. Right, right. Of course, no, no meat. Um, uh, p- potatoes. I have seen a potato before. You boil them, mash them. There Stick might a bit of stew. There might be some on the ship. And he kind of points over and down the cliff. You see a very thin winding path down to a three-masted um, ship. Right, so potatoes tomorrow. That's Mushrooms nice. tonight. <laughs> I, I, I think there's some potatoes on the ship. I don't know for sure. Okay. Well, you know, always use what you've got on end. Start picking more <laughs> mushrooms. <laughs> he kind of holds them out to you expectantly. His cloven hooves. Okay, I take a few of them okay. and start putting them in a pan. And the ones that you don't take, he kind of tries to smush back into the, <laughs> the horror that is his jacket. Sure. So that they can keep growing. And I'll add a few spices to them, and I will try to cook them uh, over the fire uh, and show him how city folk eat mushrooms. Sure. Okay. Uh, I can share those with everyone. If it is, Does anybody want any umu mushrooms? Do you have recipes on the back of your character sheet? No. Oh. <laughs> he turned it over and there's just I was like, a, cook- a lot of writing. <laughs> yeah, like I have a rest. cook feature, though, that you can hmm. benefit from. I guess if you As Umu questions. goes to hand you the salt, his giant cloven hoof does knock it over and some spills out. Oh, uh, waste not, want not. I'll try to push it back into the uh, container or mine, probably more than his. <laughs> okay. I, grab, I grab the salt and throw it over my shoulder. <laughs> no, that's... Mm. <laughs> the whole thing, <laughs> like all that, all that's left is what is spilt. <laughs> I saw that once. Um, it's supposed to bring fortune. Uh, well, Wobby, you get a, a very pleasant sense in the back of your mind <coughs> when the when the uh, Goliath throws salt over his shoulder. Okay, maybe it does. That's a feature that I have. No, I'm just <laughs> <kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> and he flips the sheet over, and it's blank. Looks like the salt. 
It's blank. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll try to use my cook feature and, and make a, a meal. Okay. Anybody who eats it will get three temporary hit points. I don't eat it. I find myself mostly by the um, campfire trying <laughs> kind of to match the um, girl's weaponry that she had. What did she get, we say she had? Which one? The tiefling. The tiefling. She has twin scimitars. Yeah, I'm trying to match her scimitar to the best of my like imagination. So it's just conjuring and then going away and then conjuring and then going away. <laughs> <laughs> it it takes six seconds. She does seem genuinely fascinated watching you do this over and over. <laughs> right, right. She's, she's expecting some sort of like fireworks trick or something. Right, like it never happens. No, I'm just really concentrated on making it as good as I can. And Tracy is just wrapped <laughs> with attention as well. <laughs> What's he going to do next? Just, just that. <laughs> I'd start a fire, but you have one. <laughs> he would. <laughs> <laughs> need a blender. <laughs> so you guys all eat. I know I where meat is. Are you eating anything? No, no you are not eating. I ate some of the mushroom, and then I was kind of grossed out when Umu. Here, I got some mushrooms. I don't know why you're offended. They were cooked. Okay, so. You guys sit down, seem to enjoy a nice meal. Saul does pull out the flute again and plays fairly expertly. He seems uh, very practiced. And um, afterwards, so, my friends, we shall talk about the matter at hand. You have been contracted by the Duke to retrieve young Malachus. Is that correct? Yeah, the kid, right? Yes, that is. Skullcrush orcs. Yes, the mm-hmm. horrible beasts those are. Yeah. Agents of the destroyer across the sea. They called him. He comes with the Great Destroyer. Yes, that's the Great Destroyer. That uh, is the great title. I am not uh, sure if he himself uses destroyer. it. Gray. Many have come to call him the Great Destroyer. So, oh, so it's not like he's not like bragging. Not to the best of my knowledge, but I do not know the man. Oh, well, I'm trying to take him down a notch. I liked it better <laughs> when like knocking him off his high horse, kind of thing, you know. Like, well, who's strong now? <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. Uh, you know, yes, I and understand. Like, like the dialogue. vein in the side of the neck, like <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. Like you know, <laughs> sword <laughs> grabs mushroom, calms down. Just needs salt. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you of you ever been to Drost before? No. Have we? Are any of you pirates? Yes. No. <laughs> yes. Well, of course you know then. <laughs> of how... course I. Know. <laughs> no, I mean literally. What is your What is your character answer? It's, uh, a lot like any other city. Um, shitty. One could say that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Most of them are, but I got to get work. Fair enough. Drovst. There's a Harborton nearby. Yes, yes, Harberton is back that way. There's another one I hear. A few hours. Yes, near, there near are many Drust. Yeah. You should speak of them in your past tense, is what I am told. <laughs> there were some. Yes. There, last time I was there. You were a man of action. When I passed by. <laughs> He's getting it. Okay, Drost. <laughs> Drost is often considered to be only accessible by sea. However, there is a small path just that way. That will lead to the back of Zrovst. It is used infrequently. I do not think you would have a hard time getting in there. But as she's talking about this, I'm playing with the marbles and starting the ritual about going across this path to see what the results might be. 
The real problem is once you arrive in Drost, it is, of course, overtaken by pirates. Now, I myself am not welcome there, but my crew is still seen somewhat favorably. Tomorrow, you may take one of my crew members, and they will escort you to Drost and assist you in retrieving young Malachus. The orcs will need to have swift passage, and if I, unless I have missed my guess, they are using a small ferry captained by Captain Nicole Vastelbin. Nicole Vastelbin? Correct. Have you heard this name before? She's fuming. I think she knows Mr. Stabums. I trust you have had dealings with the captain before. You have? Not yet, but I will. Very well. Right, that we, sounds like we a story all, there. Sounds like we all will, right? <laughs> I will uh, kill him. Okay. That is, escalated quickly. Is he, <laughs> wait, wait, is he the one, he's ferrying for the orcs, yes. not us. Yes. He has okay. six fingers. So I'm okay with that. <laughs> 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 Captain Valstevin is not a bad man per se, but he is also somewhat of a he is bad. competition in my field. Should you attempt to take the boy from his ship, I am sure he would defend it with his life. Feel free not to preserve that life. I will not. Yes, you have made that point very clear, my dear. I was saying that quietly to oh, okay. myself. Um, so check. you've got... <laughs> He didn't hear you. Okay. Good. <laughs> it sounds to me like you've got something to gain if we change our strategy from a smash and grab to a burn and kill. <laughs> I like smash and burn. Yeah, yeah. But that works. If it works, who's to say why? But not the kid? No, the, the child must be unharmed. What if the captain has a kid? I do not think he does. But you're really light. holding up on, on the kid thing. Do you save the... that one too? Maybe they could be friends, like grow up together. Right. And then like later one would be hanging off a cliff and the other one would be like, <laughs> I knew this day would come. And I was worried about my rails. And then the other one would like, but then would, would pick lost. him up. They'd pick him up. They'd pick him up. Be fine. No problem. And then push him. Surprise. He can fly. <laughs> fly. I mean, that's, I was just thinking, I was just, you know. Shooting, shooting it out there. If you want to write it down, it's cool. I feel like this is Andy Dwyer, the warlock. <laughs> right, so... <laughs> back, I back like stories. <laughs> <laughs> and I like draw rings. In, um, uh, in, in regards to the, you know, situation of competition, is there any reason we might have to go that route instead of maybe the more quiet one? I am sure that the captain would have many... He is, after all, a bit of a pirate himself. Perhaps he would have some booty on his ship. Right. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody chuckles a little bit. (laughs) These are my people. (laughs) All right, then. So we're supposed to... We've got... If I've got you, um, you're a pirate, right? If I've got you, jib. I am no such thing. I am a perfectly legitimate sailor. My, my apologies, sir, lord. 
There is no Lord. I am merely Parachis. Captain Saul Sayontaro Yanos Parachis. The magnificent Saul Parachi. <laughs> well, uh, I'm certainly not going to turn that down, sir. Uh, but if, I, if I'm catching your jib right, we've got our pick of the veritable litter here for assistance. Yes. We should take Talia. She seems to know her weapons. I mean, Tracy seems nice. She seems to like what I do. (laughs) Um, Perhaps you would like to learn a little bit more about the crew. No. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. He walks away and tries to create two now. (coughs) He he can't successfully create two at once, and he's tired. (laughs) This doesn't take spell slots, does it? No, it doesn't. Okay. No, it takes an action. Okay. So oh, yeah, God. every six seconds, new exactly. Weapon. So new. So weapon. now it's, it's he's he's getting it in each hand, yeah. but the other one's disappearing, and <laughs> he's pissed. <laughs> Pointedly turning away from them. Well, yeah, I'm walking in the woods. Okay. Yeah, we'd be interested. Probably. More about your crew. Very well, uh, Brazil, come over here. Big Azer <laughs> walks over. Yes, Captain. What is it that you do? Pulls out a warhammer. I make things. Just a bit more specific. I make metal things. Sal just kind of pinches the top of his nose. Brazil is a craftsman like no other. He also, gong, 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 very sturdy. (laughs) By the way, did I get any read when I pulled any of the marbles out of my... Pocket about the specifically about the path there. Yeah, yeah, the path, all white. It's a path. You sense the 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 danger is somewhat past, but the danger in the city itself is not connected to the path there. Okay. Okay. Very well, Bretin. Thank you very much. Bretin kind of stomps away. Ah, Umu, you are next. Umu walks over. Yes, Captain. How can I help you? Umu, tell us about yourself. Well, I um, I like mushrooms. I like growing them and, and eating them and using them to kill people. <laughs> These are the good ones here. <laughs> Wait. These are the bad ones back here. Which ones did we have? You had the good ones. I hope so. Here, here's a bad one. He pulls one off his back. It's dry and withered and looks like a poison. I'm topped off. Thanks. Okay. He puts it back. <laughs> yes. He is from one of the lesser-known circles of druid known as a spore druid. I have found his work to be... (laughs) (laughs) I have found his work to be somewhat disturbing, if not effective. Next up is... Hi, I'm Tracy. Can I go next? Of course, my dear. You can go next. Well, I'm a bounty hunter, but I... um, You notice she's got... um, They're robes, but there's more like a kimono robes and she's you know bindings underneath and she looks like it's bound in such a way as to give her very much movement um freedom of movement and she pulls a um a longbow off of her back knocks an arrow and fires it off real quick it sticks perfectly in a tree about 50 yards away and i can do that wow nice and lastly talia uh the the tiefling woman comes up and she takes her swords and she starts to sing and you uh marina all of a sudden you feel inspired by her song as she's twirling her swords around hooray hooray 
This is my crew. So she's a bard. I uh, like to sing if that's what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> she definitely gives uh, Welby a, a, a vibe of somebody he remembers. So as much as Welby was interested in the idea of Umu's cooking, he's been watching Talia probably more closely or more interestedly throughout this entire exchange, I guess. But of course, there is no need for you to choose tonight. Think on your options, and tomorrow morning we shall pick a, uh, a escort for you, and you can be on your way to save young Malachus. Right. Well, sleep. In a camp? Yes, I have tents over here for you. Right. In the, in the wilderness? Correct. Perfect. Great. Let's do it. Okay. Any other business? By this time, um, Thute comes back and he says, Camping. Yeah, love camping. I have had this bedroll. My whole, you want to borrow it? No, I've got... It gives me the best dreams. When I don't have it, I just feel weak or, like, scared. All right, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> you, I mean, I'll be nearby. Right. We'll share it. Yeah? That's, I mean, pack mentality, right? Actually, yeah, that probably sounds okay to, to Welby. <laughs> like, yeah, sure. We wouldn't want you to not feel safe and, and strong, so... Yeah. Me. We'll share it. Perfect. So the way you described this to me earlier, this was a human's bedroll? So no. No? Okay. No, it's not his bedroll. It's been mine right. this whole time. Um, it was originally the cloak of a cultist leader. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But so, I mean, like like a, a, a normal human-sized cultist leader? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so basically what he's calling a bedroll is just a rolled-up thing that he uses for a pillow and just sleeps on the rocks. The way I'm envisioning this is just <laughs> bedroll Goliath with a halfling on top of the Goliath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with that. I mean, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, fair enough. It's like right. a teddy bear. <laughs> 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 it's probably so tired from being in, uh, being in the hole and not eating for three weeks, and then marching through the jungle. That mm. I don't think it's going to be a problem. Okay. Any further business? I get my hit points back. I don't get hit dice back, but I haven't spent any. <laughs> okay. Long rest it is. Ventrina loses. Spells are we make it through the long rest. Make it through the long rest. We hope you've enjoyed our date night together. Remember, you can really help us out by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on whatever platform you use to listen to us. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again in one week.